0: Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, we just gather our hearts before you. And I'm reminded of your promise in Psalm 119, verse 130. The unfolding of your word gives light. And you impart understanding to the simple. So Lord, we humble ourselves before you and we give you our hearts And I ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts, open the eyes of our understanding, and plant your good seed in our hearts today. I pray in the name of Jesus that it prosper once again in the very thing that you send it forth to do. To your glory, for our good, in the name of Jesus, amen. Our text for today, or text, I should say, the first one, I'll just read this one. I'll make a point about the other two here in a minute. Our text is found in Romans chapter 11, starting at verse 32 and ending at verse 36. For God has committed them all to disobedience. That's not the end of the story. But I thought that would be a good attention getter there. That would be absolutely a travesty and a horrible, horrible thing if that were the end of the story. But like Paul Harvey once said, here's the rest of the story that he might have mercy on all. Oh, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever amen this morning as we continue in the series on on the uh, the topic of prosperity and looking at where you know what we've covered in terms of uh, financial and and the abundant life, there's another facet, a crucial facet, I believe that the Lord wants to introduce into this that is equally important, and that is the depth of the Lord's riches, of understanding, wisdom, and knowledge of Him. And so, in introducing this today, most of you know your address. Most of you know where you live. Most of you could tell me in quite great detail what the place of your address looks like. But I want to start out by telling you today that you and me have a new address. That address is found in Christ that's where we live. That's where we choose to live. And that, I wish I could tell you that I am as familiar with that new address as I am with my old address, my, home, my earthly address. But there are many things in this new address that we are in the process and will be until he takes us home and then some learning about our new address in him. If you look in the scriptures, you will see that whenever it talks about riches, prosperity, plans, every area of your life, long-lasting fruit, you will see in Christ, apart from him, it doesn't happen apart from him were paupers apart from him it doesn't end well and in this this address one of the things that is crucial in going forward in this is that in in Christ, in our relationship with Him, in what He wants us to know about Him, and what He wants to do in terms of our growing up in Him. It is a two-way street, but He does and did all the heavy lifting. He did it. He did it for us. He did it at the cross. He did it. Take, take just a little bit of time to just think about what he did to make that a reality. To leave no stone unturned, he left heaven, sought each one of us out, we're not here by accident. He was intentional, he had a plan, and he does have a plan, and he will not stop till his plans come to full fruition for you and for me. And the final outcome of that plan is that we get to enjoy His presence. We get to enjoy that new address in Him forever. Ephesians chapter 1, he says, he says there's a phrase that's repeated, to the praise of His glory. And then he outlines what he did in our behalf, to the praise of his glory, making us accepted in him. In this, this, uh, this facet, this truth, this of, of wisdom. He doesn't want us to be spiritual paupers. He doesn't want us to be spiritual dummies. He wants us to know. He wants us to experience the riches of His glory, the riches of His kindness, the riches of His grace, the riches of His mercy. It's amazing that when he uses these different at, these attributes and he describes himself and his heart towards us, he, he qualifies that with an adjective. I like that. He doesn't say, you know, he's stingy or I don't know. He, he says he's rich, he's liberal, he doesn't hold back. But what is equally important today is that in, in what I say and going forth and what I will say is I just don't want to impart some information here. In everything that I say, he wants you to see the and hear the heart behind the words. He's not some school prof that just sits up here and points his finger and says, you need to learn this and then do the basic Reading, writing, arithmetic—in spiritual terms, no. What he says, how he says it, what he does—all demonstrates in love his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding. So, in Proverbs, one of the, one of the favorite books, because there is a lot of where the rubber hits the road in the day-to-day of of the playing out of that wisdom, which is, which is good. It's not high and lofty. It is in a sense, but the terms of for us to have life and have it more abundantly and being able to appropriate that. So, rather than being, while he is a prof, he is more importantly, our heavenly father who knows what we have need of And numerous times in Proverbs when he starts out, he addresses, my son, my son. But for the purpose of the audience here, my daughter, my daughter. We're all included in that. And if you go and see, it's the idea that he sits down, that he wants to come alongside and say, Hi, Milt. It's good to see you. I'm drawing close to you. I love you. And I want you to prosper in all that you say, all that you do, all that you think, and what to say, when to say it, and what not to say, where to go. Everything on the day to day. Thank you, Daddy. But, you know, we, this, this is easy to, for me to go over the top of my head like this in my understanding. But to see that God is willing to come down And come alongside of me and tell me something for the for my spiritual well-being. That to me is amazing. It may be simplistic, but I tell you it is amazing. And you may think of yourself, well, golly, I don't have a lot of smarts. I'll tell you what, I don't have a smartphone. Oh, I've got a landline, so I'm not completely isolated. I've got a cell phone. Well, I should say a flip phone. But it gets the basic thing done. But in terms of our relationship with Him, and first, uh, Corinthians chapter 1. You may not see yourself as smart. You may not see, oh, I'm just a regular Joe Doakes. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing that really comes to the forefront. Well, have I got some news for you? For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, Not many nobles are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world, I qualify for that, to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things that are despised, which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him, here we go, but of Him you are in Christ, in Christ Jesus, who became, who became for us. That's me and that's you. What did He become for us? Right off the bat, wisdom from God. And Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is a mouthful. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 26 through 31. That as it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And so as I started to delve into this message that the Lord put on my heart, there were some inescapable other truths that became clear. And so the first thing that quickly became very evident to me is that there is an abundance of scripture on the the wisdom of God, the wisdom that He wants us to have. And uh, <clears throat> before I get too much further, let me let me define for you wisdom. And so going to Proverbs chapter one, where it's first introduced in there, the first time where you see the word wisdom, where he purposes that this is what wisdom is. That means skillful. Skillful like a person who learns to become a tailor or a carpenter. Skillful. When you <clears throat> the next time when you see wisdom in there, it's a different word that's used. It means to behave wisely. The next time when it's, well, and I will say this, I'll I'll just give you the, in the New Testament where it uses the word wisdom, it, it refers to a broad understanding and intelligent. I could have filled up just with Proverbs and just taking just single verses just from the book of Proverbs, I could have filled up this allotted time like that. That's just in the book of Proverbs. That's not the rest of the Bible. So he has lots to say, and that's important. He is making a point that with all these things, and, and, and the, in terms of, of the topic that we're on, in terms of spiritual prosperity... <clears throat> Wisdom is an important facet, and in the abundance, as I just referenced, <clears throat> let me share with you a a couple of uh, sentences here from a book, *The Knowledge of the Holy* by A. W. Tozer. The attributes of God, their meeting in the Christian life. This is this is just one uh, short paragraph, if you will, about what he says about wisdom. When Christian excuse me, when Christian theology declares that God is wise, it means vastly more than it says or can say, for it tries to make a comparatively weak word bear an incomprehensible plenitude of meaning that threatens to tear it apart and crush it under the sheer weight. Of the idea his understanding is infinite says the psalmist it is nothing less than infinitude that theology is here laboring to express since the word infinite describes what is unique it can have no modifiers we do not say more unique or very infinite before infinitude we stand silent I'm going to read another short paragraph from there. But in the, abundance, in the abundance of the scriptures, and even just what I said today in the text, that his wisdom is unsearchable. God's wisdom is also on display in everything that he set his hand to do. His wisdom is on display in creation. When the planets are in their orbit, when he says this is as far as the sea shall go, it's not chaotic. There is an order. It's very clear from what he said in Proverbs. By wisdom he created it's the heavens and the earth. And he put forth the things in place as they are. Our very The creation of ourselves. Wisdom on display. Fearfully and wonderfully made. The way things all work together to be able to, to accomplish a specific function. And what I already said, his wisdom on display in our salvation. Who would have thought that what in the natural looked like when the enemy did his dirty work and crucified the son of life, that it was over. But God took that, turned the tables on the enemy, and made it the plan of salvation. In Proverbs chapter 2, there's a, there's a verse in there that says, he lays up for you and for me He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. I like that. Sound wisdom. That that word sound means to substantiate, to help in the undertaking of a task. So no matter what the area, it doesn't matter. Sound wisdom. You know, when it says he lays up, I just picture he's got volumes here. How does he do that? He's got volumes for Stephen. He's got volumes for Tom. He's got volumes for Dave Martin. They're laid up. And I don't think I could even see the top. He lays up sound wisdom. That means it's not going to lose its effectiveness. It's not going to fade away over the passing of time. It will stand. As a matter of fact, in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10, it says when God does something, it will stand. No one, no one can add to it. No one will be able to take away from it. And God does it so that men should fear Him. I like that. That's who He is. That's the heart of what he wants to do in our life that he wants to come alongside and no matter what the struggle, it might be even something unforeseen, you've got a task that needs done and you don't have the wherewithal, guess what? He has it. And not like the prof, but like the father who comes alongside by way of the Holy Spirit and he says, I've got what you need and we're going to tackle this together and it's going to be to the praise of my glory and here's how it's done. And step by step, he leads us. Hallelujah. You know, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to throw out to you a verse again that substantiates this. Just to make the point, Proverbs 16.3 Commit your work, unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Now one of the things that I have trouble with is that sometimes I want to see the end. I want to see it now. I want to see what this looks like. But guess what? All I get to see is maybe this far ahead. Really? But if he says I will establish your thoughts, then that step that you take by, and with the wisdom that he gives, it will stand. It will not crumble. It will be to the praise of his glory. It will be to your good. And it will be, if you're like me in the workplace, other people will see it. Some people won't even like it. I got a guy at work. You know, what, what I do, I work in final assembly. When it gets down to me, This is where it all comes together. If it gets by me, it goes out the door. I'm the last line of defense. And my bosses rely on me. I tell you this to his glory for my good. The Lord has given me an eye for detail. And there are people that I hear, some sarcastically, oh, you've got your 101-point inspection. Well, when I work and what I do, there's a higher boss that I'm employed by. To his glory, to his glory. They see that, they recognize it, they know that. I'm not saying a word, but yet there's wisdom on display. My bosses rely on that. They may not recognize per se who's doing it, but I do. There's a passage in Jeremiah that you're familiar with. Jeremiah 29, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare, plans to prosper, not calamity, a future and a hope. Most of us here, I believe, we know that verse, we're familiar with it. OK? In Isaiah 55, there's a verse there, set of verses there where he speaks of that as the rain comes down from heaven, as the snow comes down and doesn't return, but it accomplishes the very thing that I send it forth to do. He says, "So it will be with my word. When I send my word forth, what's it going to do? It will accomplish. It will prosper." in the very thing I send it forth to do. I can't make that claim. And the Lord didn't say, well, you know, I've got a 70%, 70% sec, uh, successful rate ratio. No. 100%. That's what he says. So let me throw one more thing in there with this verse that he says about speaking forth. In Psalms, in Psalm 139 and in Psalm 40, he says, he also says, the thoughts that he has towards us are more than can be numbered. So I want you to take that. those thoughts that he has towards you. Do you think that he wants to keep those thoughts to himself? So if every word that comes out of his mouth is, will not return void, but will accomplish what he prospers and what he sends it forth to do, that, I want you to just take that in that there are all these thoughts that are there for your good. That should bring us to a place of awe and the one that we worship and purpose in our heart to worship on Sunday morning. You know, in times, as I, as I was putting this together, at this, this thought, this, this concept, this point, this point, this point, it was mind-boggling. Try, it, was, it was trying to wrap my head around that. For every individual in this room, that he has thoughts that you can't put a number to. How does he do that? So, when we say God is good, He is good. And when He does something, He jumps in with both feet and love. In this, uh, In, in light of that last point, A.W. Tozer writes, "Wisdom, among other things, is the ability to devise perfect ends and to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. It sees the end from the beginning, so there can be no need, so there can be no need to guess or conjecture. Wisdom sees everything in focus, each in proper relation to all, and is thus able to work towards predestined goals with flawless precision. And I'm going to throw this in here right now. With the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare, the wisdom of God to plan it, and the power of God to achieve it, what do we lack? Whatever your profession, it doesn't matter whether you're a stay-at-home housewife. It doesn't matter whether I, I, if I work in a factory. It doesn't matter if you're the vice president of the company. The next point is that his wisdom is indispensable. And it's no respecter of persons. You, you could be a child in school. You could be enjoying the blessing of retirement, which I am starting to dream of a little bit. His wisdom is indispensable. His wisdom is for everything you put your hand to do, for every area of your life, what I say, what I think, what I do. And just think for a moment, what's the alternative? If if his wisdom is indispensable, well, let me just throw out two that I believe would... Uh, Give us divine pause. And Jeremiah, chapter 10. Verse 23. "O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. And in the book of Proverbs, it says in chapter 14, verse 12, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. So, the next overarching truth In this, is that He gives us His Holy Spirit. The one, as I demonstrated earlier, the one who comes alongside. He is, He has promised, as it says in John 16 13, He will guide us into all truth. And in John 14, verse 26, he will bring all things to your remembrance, what Christ has spoken. He will bring all things to your remembrance. How many, does anybody here, can they remember every insight, everything that God has taught them in their relationship with the Lord? I am grateful for the Holy Spirit and for those promises that he will guide and that he will bring to our remembrance. And it says he will guide. He will not shove, he will not push, he will not thrust. He will guide. In Proverbs chapter 1, I I like this. Um, There's a set of verses there where he says he calls out. There's several other chapters in Proverbs where he says to the... to the sons of men. I call out, I call out. He calls out to each one of us every day. And then in Proverbs chapter one, he says, I stretch out my hand. Unfortunately, in the context of what he was saying there and his doing that, those people there made a choice that they didn't want it. They chose not to take his hand. They chose not to draw close. But it didn't stop the Lord from stretching out his hand. It didn't stop and it doesn't stop the Lord from crying out to us each day and inviting us. You know, for the longest time, and it was always there, um, and I, you know, in talking about, I want to t- talk about Moses here for just a minute. And, uh, you know, I thought, come on, the, the Lord promised you guys and the children of Israel, uh, Moses and the children of Israel, that I'm going I'm to bring you into the promised land. And there you'll have gardens you didn't plant, you'll have houses you didn't build, there'll be a land flowing with milk and honey, and yes, there are giants But you you know, Moses Moses understood what the real promised land was. In Exodus 33, where the children of Israel had worshipped a calf and God was not happy with them. He was very, very upset. And Moses intercedes and the Lord says, you know what, take these people and go on ahead take them to the promised land that I promised but I'm going to stay here Moses said no no if you don't go I don't go that is amazing in Psalm 90 he says you O Lord are our dwelling place in the current vernacular that I said earlier, my address, my new address is in you. You are where I hang out. Solomon. At the very, very beginning of his reign, he said, Lord, I'm but a child. I don't know how to go in. I don't know how to come out, go out. I don't know how to lead these people. And in that in that story god took the initiative and went to solomon and that was solomon's in his prayer made that known and what did the lord do he gave him wisdom beyond his years he gave him wisdom to be able to do what he was appointed to do. And last but not least, I just wanna these, bring these people out. That your, their names, his name is on everybody's tongue from, from uh, Exodus 31 verses one through six. He was called out by God to construct, to build the temple, the tabernacle, excuse me, the tabernacle. So in Exodus thirty one Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezaliel, not hey you, not you with a number on your back. Bezaliel the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. I like that. It doesn't matter what you do on a day-to-day basis. God blurs the line. Everything we do is to his glory. It's not... This is physical. This is secular. This is spiritual. God puts it all in one. Bring me into everything. Talk with me about it. Let me talk with you. Let's huddle together. I like that. See, I have called you. I, and I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in a manner of in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for settings and carving wood and to work in all manner of workmanship. Those are valuable things. It's not like he just took a piece of wood and started a plane. He had precious jewels. Those are expensive things. And indeed I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamak of the tribe of Dan and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you the tabernacle of meeting I'm going to stop there on this This is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg What an awesome God. Let's pray. Lord, you're a good, good father. We stand in awe of you, who you are. That in everything, you desire for us to prosper. And Lord, in the wisdom that you give us, in the understanding and the insight that you give us, we want to be transformed and we want to grow up in you. Renew our hearts, renew our minds, and Lord, Lord, We purpose this day to be intentional, to set aside time, to draw close to you, to hear your heart, to hear what's on your heart, to establish our goings, to establish our going in and our going out with you. May you prosper us to your glory for our good in Jesus' name. Amen.